is war in the spirit. Your God-given, God-guided resource for all things truth and all things kingdom based on the word of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned for this week's spiritual truth. Worship is a lifestyle. You were originally designed to be a spirit, a son Hey spiritual warriors, welcome back to War in the Spirit podcast. This is Faith Cawthon Green, back for a brand new episode of War in the Spirit. Um, I've been doing quite a few episodes lately. It's just like God is just flooding things at me and he gave me this particular topic a few weeks ago and and just told me to put it in my back pocket because it wasn't time for it yet and this morning he just flooded me with the rest of the revelation that I needed in order to bring you this podcast this is a groundbreaking what I believe is going to be a life-changing chain-breaking message um, it's going to be the last episode of this season of War in the Spirit. So the next episode that comes will be a new season. But um, I, I have a lot of content to cover. It's very meaty. Um, and so I would compel you to listen to the end, even if it becomes long, um, a long episode. Because um, I think everything that God has for me to say to you today is so important is, and it's going to be chain breaking. So you are tuned in for season number eight, episode number 11, entitled Get Out. Oh, as I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking about the storm and if you've been listening to previous episodes or even some of the lives that I've done on Instagram, um, then you've heard me talking about the looming storm um, quite a bit lately. And I was thinking about how when we're in a storm, a lot of times we focus on the process or the storm itself. And we need to start focusing on how we get out of that storm. The whole purpose of the storm is for God to show you, for him to show you who he is and to help you find your way out. But sometimes we get so caught up in the storm and the circumstance and the situation itself that we can't figure out how to get out of the storm. It's not that, that he's going to stop the storm and just be like, all right, it's, it's going to cease. No, it's that he's trying to show you you how to find your way out of it and it reminds me of the movie get out um and how you know there's the lady in the in this in in the movie that hypnotized him into the sunken place and as long as they were in that place the place of uh of of defeat um they could never escape and um they could never escape the storm and how you view it is all about perspective. The storm is all about perspective. You see, when there's a storm outside, many people are afraid of the thunder and the noise that it makes and the, and the prospect of damage that it can bring. The same with tornadoes and, and hurricanes. But when I hear a thunderstorm, I get excited because to me, it's God speaking. It's like God's hand moving. And I, I find peace in hearing his voice, in, in him revealing his perspective on things. You see, death is, is not necessarily a bad thing, but we, we have this dark stigma on death particularly. But death is the catalyst to new beginning. Whether it's for the person who died or the ones left behind, whether it's a physical death or whether it's a, a spiritual death, whether it's a fleshly death. I mean, like as in you killing your flesh or an actual literal death, um, you know, it's for the people who are left behind who are witnessing that death, whether it's you killing your flesh or literally a physical death. Um it's supposed to bring about change. Death is a catalyst to change, to transformation. See, God is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And the end of something is always the beginning of something new. And that's what the storm is too. Because without the storm and the rain, there could be no rainbow after. There, there'd be no promise to follow. 
And I, I don't care what other people say the rainbow stands for, but the rainbow stands for God's promises. It is a covenant. It is God's symbol. It is not a symbol of the earth. It is God's symbol. It is not a symbol of the world. It is God's symbol and it's time for us to take it back. It is a symbol of his promise and his covenant with us. And without the storm, there will be no promise to follow because it's the storm that produces the perfect conditions for the rainbow, for the promise. See, without that storm, you can't obtain the posture necessary to receive the promise. So let's look at the definition of a storm. It says, a disturbance of the atmosphere marked by wind and usually rain, snow, hail, sleet, or thunder and lightning. Heavy fall of rain, snow, or hail. You know, one of the things that I often think about is, again, it says it's a disturbance. It makes me think of God's wind blowing through your life. You see, the storm is God's way of disturbing your status quo. Your normal routine. It's his way of shaking things up in your life to to bring about something new. Think of uh, life as like a, a kaleidoscope. You know, it's ever turning and spinning and changing. But each time you turn it, it produces something new and beautiful. Even though the last image of what was new and beautiful had to fall away in order to see the new thing. That is new and beautiful. And it brings me to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to start at verse 28 and go to uh, verses, verse 33. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom... He foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? For if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. You see, that storm is working for your good. That storm was meant to bring about something good. That storm was meant to bring about a promise. That storm was meant to bring life after the death. The alpha and the omega is always the, be the end of something is always the beginning of something new. So when something ends, you need to know. That there's a fresh start coming behind it. So this is what God was showing me about this. He said that the spirit of defeat is the enemy's main play to take down the people of God. That defeat is at the root of all that motivates how people respond to the world. They, they feel defeated so they just succumb to the circumstances placed in front of them instead of fighting the circumstances. You know, and it makes me think about uh, defeat and how oftentimes when, when we when when things get too hard, we just decide we're going to lay down and we're going to take the easy route. That's the spirit of defeat. Well, you know what? It's harder to walk in faith. It's harder to believe for something that I can't see. So I'm going to go for the thing that's easy. That's the spirit of defeat. I'm going to go for the thing that I know. I'm going to go for the worldly thing. I'm going to go. I'm not going to. I'm not going to employ my faith to wait for the thing that God has for me. I'm not going to. I'm not going to employ my faith to, to, to seize that which I can't see. Instead, I'm going to allow that spirit of defeat to take over and succumb and settle for what the enemy is offering me. So let's look at the definition of defeat. It's twofold. You see, the, 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 there is defeat, which is the noun 
A noun, a person, place, thing, or idea. And the definition of defeat, the noun, is frustration by nullification or by prevention of success. An, an overthrow, especially of an army in battle. The loss of a contest. That's the noun defeat. And that makes me think about how the enemy comes at us. So here it is. He's trying to overthrow the army of God. He's trying to frustrate you into the place of preventing you from getting not success, but victory. Now let's look at the, the definition, the verb defeat, the verb, a verb is an action word. You see defeat as a noun is not an action. It's passive. It's a person, place, thing, or idea. But the verb defeat is to win victory over. That is an action, uh, 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 something that you can deploy and, and, and engage. So you see, there are two forms of the word. The noun defeat is a frustration, a nullification of power, the overthrowing of an army. You see, the enemy is trying to use the noun defeat to overthrow God's army. The spirit of defeat. You see, the enemy uses a passive form of the word defeat. A noun is not an action word. It's a person, place, thing, or idea. And see, the only power that the noun defeat has is the only power that you give it. It's simply an idea that the enemy wants you to succumb to and embrace. But there is no action behind it. Why? Because he doesn't have the power to exert defeat over you. All he can do is suggest the idea of defeat to you and hope that you embrace the idea. But the verb defeat, the action word defeat means to win victory over. You see, that's God's version of the word defeat to fight off the enemy and win the battle. So the enemy is trying to place defeat in front of you, the idea of defeat in front of you while you're in your storm. Because he wants you to succumb to the idea of defeat, but there is no action behind it. Let's look at the let's look at the definition of victory. The overcoming of an enemy or antagonist. See, God is trying to lead you to the victory. He's trying to teach you how to action word defeat the enemy and not get caught up in the idea, the noun of defeat, not get caught up in the storm, not get caught up in the circumstance, but to understand how to defeat that storm. Let's look at the definition of the word success, uh, uh, a degree or measure of succeeding a favorable or desired outcome, the attainment of wealth, favor or eminence. You see, victory is eternal. When you win the victory, that means that something has been defeated. In, in the victory, there's always a, a someone who's victorious and someone who is not. Success is only temporary and can be followed by defeat. See, once you have the victory, you can't be defeated. Because the victory is, an, is, is finite. Success is not finite. It is fleeting. But victory cannot be taken back or reversed. Success can. So get out. Get out of that sunken place. Get out of defeat and go out to defeat. Get out of defeat, the idea of defeat, and go out to defeat the action to win the victory. Get out of chasing success and get into being victorious. It's time to bring new weapons to the battle. See, your education may get you success, but it won't win you the victory. Your, your money may get you success, but it won't win you the victory. Your, your experience, your influence, your platform, your worldly power, your fame, your status may get you success, but it won't get you the victory. It won't get you the ultimate defeat over the enemy, but victory will and it brings me to Exodus chapter 14. This is verses 13 and 14. It says, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will perform for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again, ever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Now that is victory. If you can defeat an enemy and never have to see it again, that is victory because victory is finite. So stand up, stand up and fight. Fight the spirit of defeat to bring a defeat to the army of the Lord so that you can defeat the enemy. How, how do you fight? See, you, you think you have to fight by taking matters into your own hands, but you simply need to remain silent, as in your flesh needs to remain silent. That means you need to silence your flesh. That means you need to kill your flesh and use the word of God against the enemy. You need to let the word of God fight for you. Hebrews 3, this is verses 12 through 19 says, take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts when they as when they provoked me for who provoked him when they had heard indeed did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom he was angry for 40 years was it not those who sinned whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness and whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest but those who were disobedient and so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief See, there is rest in belief. There is rest in operating your faith. There is rest because God will fight for you. See, you simply got to use his word as your weapon because the enemy will use that spirit, the idea of defeat in your mind. But if you use God's word and you stand on it and you hide it in your heart, then you know the truth and the enemy wants to use lies to get you to embrace that idea of defeat but you have already been created to be victorious and then this is Hebrews verse uh, uh, chapter 4 this is I'm going to start at verse 1 it says therefore we must fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest any one of you may seem to have short of it for indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also did but the word they heard did not benefit them because they were not united with those who listened with faith <laughs> And then verse 11 says, therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. You see, his word is like a double-edged sword. It is a weapon for defeat. It is a weapon to gain the victory. The word can be used to battle the spirit of defeat. It's meant to cut away any device of the enemy 
Literally, there is something in God's word to combat every single one of your issues. You you feel that weight when the enemy is lurking. It's him trying to tug on your yoke. Go back and listen to Unevenly Yoked if you haven't heard it yet. It's him trying to tug on your yoke and pull you backwards when you're trying to move forward. Use the sword to cut the yoke. He will try to convince you that you can't cut loose, that that it's not right for you to cut loose. He see he plays in the flesh and you can only hear his voice when your flesh is exposed or rising. You hear heaven. You hear God's voice, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit when your spirit is exposed or rising and whichever one you feed is the one that will grow so if you feed your flesh your flesh is going to grow why because the enemy is going to be able to stay in your ear and continue to tell you those lies to continue to keep you embracing that spirit of defeat so that your flesh continues to grow but if you feed your spirit it will continue to grow and and um It reminds me of the children of Israel. You see, the children of Israel were defined by their oppression. They they had been in slavery for so long that they allowed it to define them. And every time God tried to show them something different than oppression, every time he tried to show them freedom, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Why? Because they knew what to expect from Egypt. They knew what to expect from oppression. We we often remain in the struggle because we know what to expect from it. And there's so much uncertainty in the victory because we've never truly experienced it before. We, we have no point of reference for the victory. There, there, <laughs> there, for it seems like some distant idea that is out of our grasp. But that's the spirit of defeat at work. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. That you're so deep in that pit that you can't climb out and receive your victory. And it brings me to Galatians chapter 5. This is verses 16. uh, Starting at verse 16. I'm going to read down to verse 26. It says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Hmm. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ, Jesus crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So I charge you, check your fruit. Is your fruit one of the flesh or is your fruit one of the spirit? And and it's so crazy because I would always pray this prayer that the ears of the people be deafened to the voice of the enemy and tuned to the frequency of heaven. See, the enemy cannot address, control, or influence the spirit of God. And when he created you, he breathed his breath into you. And if you maintain that position of being created in his image, the enemy can't speak to you. Or he can try to speak, but you won't be able to hear him because your spirit is one with God's spirit. And he can't speak or influence that spirit. 
so cut him off. Use the sword, cut him off. Every time I would get, I would get to a feeling of feeling defeat or feeling frustrated or God would send me some scripture in the word that would speak to the very thing that I was feeling. And I knew that whenever I was feeling that way, feeling uncomfortable, feeling, feeling stressed out, feeling worried, feeling frustrated, that was my flesh trying to rise up and I needed to cut it down. See, Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword just as it is written? For your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, you were created to be a conqueror. You were created to have the victory. Jesus already took the keys to the kingdom of darkness. He has already set it forth for you to be victorious. You just have to choose not to embrace that idea of defeat, but to embrace the action of defeat to overcome and gain the victory. First John 5 verse 4 says, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, when you employ your faith, then you can actually receive the thing that God has for you. You're not afraid of it. You don't choose to stay in the struggle because you can't see what victory looks like because it doesn't look familiar to you because because it's it hasn't manifested in the natural yet you can embrace your faith but you won't settle for what the enemy is dangling in front of you and keeping you out of position you will employ your faith to receive your true inheritance genesis 1 verses 26 and 27 says then god said let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them you see, he created you to subdue all that crawls on the earth, including the serpent. You were created to have dominion over Satan, the evil one, the serpent. That's why he wants to destroy you, to make you forget your kingdom identity. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He, he caused them to forfeit their kingdom identity, to receive something of the world. That's what he wants you to do. See, he wants you to settle for the things of this world so you won't be able to subdue him. So he won't lose his power. Because his power is of this world. But you are not. You were created to be and to dwell above this world. And the enemy knows that. But he doesn't want you to know it. Because then you will be able to subdue him and take everything back. First Peter Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. <laughs> 
You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know your kingdom identity. He doesn't want you to know your royal bloodline. He wants you to think that you are of this world. So that you cannot subdue him. You know, as I've gone through this process, I, I keep um, seeking God and, and, and going, God, what, what did I need to know to move forward and receive all that you have spoken over my life? And he kept saying to me, I, I would say, God, I just feel like I'm bound. I feel like I'm a slave to my life and I just want to be set free. And he would say, set yourself free. And I kept chewing on that and looking for the true meaning of what he wanted me to know about it. And now it's clear to me, it's our minds, our broken perceptions and misaligned perspectives that hold us hostage in, in the place of defeat. Our, our worry, our anxiety, our need for false validation, our vanity, our pride, our greed, our fear, they are all fueled and motivated by a spirit of defeat. It motivates us to take matters into our own hands instead of leaving them in God's hands. It motivates us to use our practical mindset and our own understanding instead of using our faith and leaning to God's understanding and his plan. It, it, um, the, it, it, the fear of being defeated is the enemy's main weapon that has been used to take territory from the kingdom and to influence all of us. See, God kept telling me it was like I was sitting in a prison cell, but the door was unlocked and open. But but I had been through so much and was feeling so defeated that I couldn't seem to get up enough strength or courage to walk through it. It's been such a long journey that it seemed like a trick. You know, after you've been in the struggle for so long, it's, it's hard to see the victory. You begin to associate yourself and your identity with struggle. But I'm here to tell you that's not what God has for you. If you've listened to past episodes, then, then you've heard me say that every time I thought I was at the finish line, it seemed like the finish line would move and I would get so frustrated. It's, it's almost like I felt like I was being punk. Like, like Ashton Kutcher was going to just jump out at any moment. And what God said to me was that he was moving the finish line. And each time this happened, I felt defeated. That's, that spirit of defeat swooped in when, when I was most exhausted. And the enemy would hit me and think he knocked me out. But I would get up. Before the count was done. God kept doing that to me to show me who I truly am in him. That, that I cannot be defeated. I cannot be defeated. Because no matter what hit. No matter how hard. How frustrating. I could not be defeated. As long as I kept putting my trust in him, my faith in him, I would keep finding my strength in him. And that's why his word says in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary because in that weight training, your endurance, your stamina was being built up. God was trying to show you who you really are. He was trying to show you what you're really capable of. He was trying to show you, hey, look, you can subdue this spirit. And it makes me think of the Ty Tribbett song. He turned it. It says, the devil thought he had me. <laughs> thought that my life was over. He thought by now I'd give up. He thought I had no more. But that's when someone greater stepped in my situation. My morning has now begun. See, no matter how long the wait training, if you haven't listened to wait training, go back and listen. You can always get back up and find a new level of strength. See, it's levels to this. If you haven't listened to Get Back Up, go back and listen. 
And God is trying to level you up. See, that's what the storm is. It's a process to level up. It's it's like your favorite video game, and as you advance to the, to each new level, it gets more difficult to pass. And you may have to play that level over and over again until you find the strategy that will allow you to verb defeat it. Then you level up, and you keep leveling up until you finally beat the game itself, and you find the victory. You see, God is trying to show you how to beat the enemy's game and become victorious. Because that's all it is. It's a game. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. See, I told you, he'll never put more on you than you can bear. Not because we all have this set limit of what we can bear, but because you can literally bear anything as long as you tap into his strength and not your own. So get out the spirit of defeat is what led abraham and sarah to to birth to the birth of ishmael they were tired of waiting and feeling defeated feeling like the promise was never coming so they took matters into their own hands they moved ahead of god that spirit of defeat took over and caused them to settle for something less than the promise. See, the devil often meets the devil often meets us in the weight training when we are at our weakest and too tired to fight. That's where the spirit of defeat begins to take over. He even tried to use this same spirit against Jesus himself. <laughs> Let's look at Matthew. <laughs> My God. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So here it is. You, you've been in the weight training. You're real hungry right now. And the enemy shows up and he's like, here, here's this pork chop. You hungry, right? Come on, take this pork chop. Verse 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Watch. So the enemy tried to place that spirit of defeat over Jesus. And what did he do? He used the double edged sword. He said, uh-uh, the word of God says this. Uh-uh, Satan. Then verse 5 says, then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you and on their hands. They will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. There again, the double-edged sword. Cut it away. Again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to serve him. You see, the enemy tried to give him territory that already belonged to him. But he wanted him to get it in 
his way, not in God's way. And that's exactly what he does to so many of us. He dangles that porch up in front of us, tries to give us territory that doesn't even belong to him. It already belongs to us because God has given us this earth to subdue. But because we don't know who we are, we succumb to the spirit of defeat. Don't believe the hype. Don't take the pork chop that the enemy is dangling in front of you. You're settling for less than a full meal. It's a trap. Don't take the worldly thing that he's trying to offer you because it all belongs to God anyway. And at some point, the wealth of the wicked has been stored up for the righteous. So if you gain it in a wicked way, if you gain it in the way that the enemy is trying to give it to you, guess what? At some point, it's going to be transferred to the righteous. You're going to lose that territory because it never belonged to the enemy. It was never his to give. So if it didn't come from God, at some point, it's going to get snatched away. Success is fleeting. It is not finite. He can offer you success, but he cannot offer you victory. <laughs> See, the enemy will hype up that pork chop. He's dangling in front of you to make it seem like it's going to lead you to victory. But it's not the God thing. You see, God isn't going to put his meal on a string on a fishing hook. He's going to prepare an entire feast, a table for you. And it makes me even think of Matthew chapter 27. Um, and this is verses 39 through 50. It says, and those passing by were speaking abusively to him shaking their heads and saying you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days save yourself if you are the son of God come down from the cross in the same way the chief priests also along with the scribes and the elders were mocking him and saying he saved others he cannot save himself he is the king of Israel let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him he has trusted in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him. And he said, I am the son of God. And the rebels who had been crucified with him were also insulting him in the same way. See, everybody is coming at Jesus and they're persecuting him. And they're saying, well, if you so powerful, if you say you are who you who you say you are, then save yourself. But see, he knew that that wasn't God's will. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get out of alignment with God's will. And verse 45 says, now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus felt defeated like God had turned his back. In the final hour, he knows you're weary and tired. And that's when the enemy swoops in and tries to take the win. But here's the thing. He can only take that win if you allow him to take your wind the wind of God that is within you, the, the wind that creates you in his image, his spirit within you, the power that he has given you to be the victor. He knows, the enemy knows he can't steal your inheritance as long as you remain aligned with God, but he can compel you to forfeit it by offering you something that's worth far less than what God has to offer you. 
He he wants you to settle. To, to settle for the bait that he dangles in front of you. He he wants you to settle for that job instead of your purpose. He wants you to settle for that man or woman instead of your partner in purpose. He wants you to settle for fame instead of your kingdom identity. He wants you to settle for what the world has to offer instead of your kingdom inheritance. He wants you to settle for that which is temporary instead of what is eternal. And it brings me to Revelation 3, verses 8 through 12. It says, I know your deeds. Behold, I went through this in the last episode, Doomsday Preppers. If you haven't listened to it, go back. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have followed my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down before your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold firmly to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. You see, God will put before you a door that is not controlled by man. It says, before you, I put an open door which no one can shut. You see, what God has for you won't be controlled by man. It will only be controlled by God. It's not coming through the hands of man. It's coming through the supernatural power of the most high God. That's why it's a door that no man can shut because man didn't open it. See, God is the creator of the door and thus he controls it. <laughs> so you've been down, you've been in the storm, but stop. Focusing on the circumstances around you and start focusing and seeking God for how you get out of the storm. Get out. The enemy is giving you the one-two punch and you're down, but you're not out for the count. Get up. Get up before your window closes. Get out of that pit. Get out get out get out god put this song on my heart as i was setting up to record this i haven't sung it in a really long time but i just can't give up Come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy. And I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. He's not leaving you in the storm. He's in the storm with you in the eye of the storm. And when you find the eye, the place of peace, then you can get out. But you gotta seek him. Stop worrying about what's swirling around you. Stop allowing the enemy to make you succumb to that spirit of defeat. Get out. I'm gonna just close out with prayer. 
I come before you, God. We just say thank you for another day, God. We say thank you for another opportunity to, to come into your presence, your power and your glory, God. We say thank you for another opportunity to get it right, God. I thank you for every heart, every mind, every spirit who will tune in for this message, God, for I know it is directly from you, God. I pray right now that you would just remove me, God, that when they see me, they will see you. When they hear me, they will hear you, God, and they will know that you have a divine message for them that you are trying to draw them back into a space that you are trying to show them a way out of the storm and into the promise god i pray right now that they will be convicted beyond the place of rest until they move and get in position on post and get take their rightful place in the army god that they will stop settling for less than what you have for them that they will stop accepting less than what you created them and who you created them to be god that they will stop settling for less than their kingdom inheritance that they will embrace fully their purpose and that they will get in step with you your plan and your divine will for our lives. I pray all these things in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all forgive me. That's my, my little one is in the background. This is my little Aria, my rainbow baby. I promise my inheritance. And her name means Lion of God. So she has a whole lot to say. And she gonna have a whole lot to say coming forth because God has a great purpose for her life. But I love you guys. If you feel led to so, you may do so at uh, Cash App dollar sign War in the Spirit or at Venmo War in the Spirit 12. If you need to contact me, if you want help, if you want insight, you can find me on Instagram at um, at a uh, Lord faith underscore coffin green you can find me on youtube at war in the spirit live you can email me at war in the spirit 12 at gmail.com so i pray that you receive this message that you watch and you tuned in till the end so you can allow god to do what he needs to do in your life that you can get out of that sunken place that you can get out of that place of defeat and seize your victory.